Under the HIPAA omnibus final rule that went into effect in March, there are changes in how patient data can be used for research. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm talking with Adam Green, a privacy attorney and partner at law firm Davis Wright Tremaine, LLC. Adam will explain the new research provisions in the HIPAA omnibus rule and the steps that organizations need to take to comply. Hi, Adam. First, tell us briefly what's changed under HIPAA omnibus when it comes to research and explain what the new provisions say. Sure. There's been two big changes with respect to research. Both of these were in response to longstanding concerns in the research community. One is a greater ability to combine what are referred to as conditioned and unconditioned authorizations. And the other, and I'll come back to what I just said what that actually means. The other is greater ability to authorize future research. So with respect to conditioned and unconditioned authorizations, uh, generally HIPAA does not allow you to condition treatment, payment, or other benefits on a authorization, meaning you can't say, sign this authorization that allows us to use or disclose this protected health information in a way otherwise not permitted by HIPAA, otherwise we won't treat you. One of the exceptions to that has always been clinical trials, where you can say to the individual, please sign this authorization for us to use or disclose your information for the clinical trial research, otherwise we won't provide you with the treatment that's part of the clinical trial. So that's what's referred to as a conditioned authorization. Now, in the past, you could not combine that with an unconditioned authorization, such as We'd also like you to sign this authorization that allows us to maintain your information in a research repository or a tissue specimen repository. That was leading to the need to have completely separate authorization forms for potentially related research purposes. And so now, under the omnibus rule, covered entities are allowed to combine these conditioned and unconditioned authorizations. So, for example, you can have an authorization that says, sign this authorization to use or disclose your information for purposes of the clinical trial research. Otherwise, we won't provide you with clinical treatment. And in addition, check here or sign here or initial here if you authorize your information to be maintained in a tissue specimen repository, which is voluntary. If you choose not to do that secondary authorization, that won't affect your clinical trial treatment. So now there's an ability to combine these in a single authorization form, making it easier for the patient. We also have this other change, which is actually not in the regulations, but is solely found in the preamble to the omnibus rule that changes a longstanding interpretation of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Previously, HHS said you could not authorize future research studies that haven't yet even been created, for example. And now they've changed that interpretation and said you may actually have an authorization that authorizes use and disclosure for future research studies as long as you put the individual on reasonable notice. So, for example, they're not going to be surprised by the type of research that in the future their information may be used or disclosed for. What should covered entities such as medical centers and doctor practices do to comply? What steps should they take? And do these provisions only apply to healthcare organizations that conduct medical research? So covered entities 
need not wait until the compliance date in September of 2013 to take advantage of this because this is less about compliance and more about, frankly, an improved workability that, that as of March 26th, when the law became effective, they can immediately start taking advantage of it. So they can start revising their research policies, procedures, their research forms to reflect that they now have this greater flexibility for uses and disclosures. What about business associates? Do these provisions apply to them at all? And if so, what kinds of business associates are affected? So this provision applies to all covered entities, um, regardless of whether they do research, and all business associates to the extent that they make uses or disclosures for research. Now, for a covered entity, it may be that the doctor's office or the hospital doesn't conduct research itself, but it needs to use or disclose for research. It should be cognizant of the fact that the research may now be performed pursuant to these more flexible um, forms. And then similarly, a business associate... It may be more rare for a business associate to be making uses and disclosures for research, but there may be circumstances where business associates do, in fact, make such uses and disclosures. If so, they should be cognizant of these changes. And also, business associates should always remember they may only use and disclose as permitted by their business associate agreement. So they would have to comply with HIPAA with respect to these changes to research, but also make sure that their business associate agreement permits disclosure for research purposes. In terms of patients, where does this all come into play? For instance, do the covered entities need now to give a form that discloses this information about the research provisions? Is this part of their privacy notices? Where would the patients see this show up? This likely will only be transparent to patients with respect to the forms that they actually complete in that they now may find themselves completing less research forms because they've been combined um, and because they signed one form that covers a wide range of future research. Otherwise, patients likely are not going to see this reflected in the notice of privacy practices or otherwise see changes related to this. In terms of medical research and the impact of these provisions for patients, is this a good thing or a bad thing in terms of these changes? So for medical research, this is a very good thing. Um, This was, I think, a a pretty big complaint, the fact that they had to keep going back to patients and getting authorizations over and over and sometimes get multiple authorizations at the same time. And so I think they're very much appreciative of this change. Um, And for patients, I think, you know, patients did not necessarily receive much benefit from having to complete multiple forms. As long as the patients know what they're signing, I think this is ultimately better beneficial for them. Thanks, Adam. I've been speaking with attorney Adam Green. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.